0: It takes years to build a business that sustains a family and is worth passing on. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work closely with clients to provide the financing, cash management, and deposit products necessary to grow a business. So your life's work will continue to prosper once it's in someone else's hands. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for listening on Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, we greatly appreciate you sharing, rating, reviewing, and of course, above all, subscribing to GoAlongTD.com. Uh, this podcast is fueled by our friends at Fatty Beer Company. Make sure you get on into a fatty near you. If you live in Western New York, Orchard Park, Hamburg, Downtown Buffalo, Kenmore, Tonawanda, they're everywhere. Columbus, uh, you'll you'll get any type of beer that you could ever want at a fatty establishment. So today, here on the podcast, uh, I thought it would be a really good idea to get into the most glorious position on the football field. That's right, the NFL tight end. Uh, thank you to everyone who has taken the time to read the blood and guts, how tight ends save football, whether you bought it on Amazon, uh, you took advantage of a deal here at Go Along. Um, Hey, if you want a signed book plate, don't hesitate to reach out. would love to send you one to, to stick into your book. And if you don't have the book, let me know. And I'm sure we can figure out some type of Go Long deal. So this could be one of the best NFL draft classes ever at the tight end position. You probably know that by now because you've all been grinding the tape Going in full GM mode to study up on Utah's Dalton Kincaid, 6'4", 246. Does it all. Notre Dame's Michael Mayer. Notre Dame's always producing tight ends. 6'5", 249, more of a pass-catching threat. And then Darnell Washington out of Georgia was obviously the, the, the stud at the NFL Combine with the one-handed catch. Granted, he only got the one foot in bounce, but it was – Marvelous nonetheless. Uh, and at Georgia, he was a blocker. He will do the kind of stuff that all of his tight end forefathers used to do uh, on the line of scrimmage. And I think that that athleticism that he showed in Indianapolis opened up a lot of eyeballs. He, he's somebody that absolutely could sneak into that first round. Iowa loves to stake its claim as tight end to you. I've talked to uh, TJ Hawkinson about that. You can see that story and go along in the archives. Um, Dallas Clark is obviously a huge part of the blood and guts. Just an unbelievable conversation with Dallas Clark. And he's really one of those players that started it all as, as a walk on selling the campus newspaper, mowing the fields at Kinnick Stadium. There was a story, hilarious story that Dallas Clark told where, you know, he, he's a walk on. So he's just trying to make any money he can to stay in school. I mean, this is a, a real life Rudy story be beyond the, dramatized version that we all saw. And he, uh he got up early in the morning to, to mow the lawn and fell asleep at the wheel and tore up the padding along the side. So he's trying to pull it diagonally across the whole field to hide it from legend Larry. They called him the groundskeeper who he knew would tear him up. Once he saw this managed to hide it and it stayed hidden for a while until it was found, and then, yeah, he caught all hell. So he would do that. He would scour those campus newspapers that he sold himself in the morning for any way to make money. You know, psychology students might need test dummies. Boom, he'd do it. Dental students may need somebody to work on. Hey, he would take those free cleanings. Uh, I mean, Dallas Clark is a kind of human being, forget football player, that I think anybody would love to talk to for hours and hours. So we're still doing everything we can to get him on a Zoom happy hour for our VIP subscribers. But – yeah, he started it all at Iowa. And, oh, we should backtrack. Really what started it all is the, the trauma of losing his mother in his arms, um, his senior year of high school. So he, he gets into all, all of that, just a ton of tears throughout several conversations. I think you'll come away reading, come away with a different perspective on life once you learn more about Dallas Clark. But yeah, his work ethic alone is really what planted those. Initial seeds at Iowa, if you will, uh, to become a tight end you. Obviously, Miami would love to stake that claim. And Jeremy Shockey getting into fights, whether it's at the bar, uh, even back to high school when he busted somebody up pretty good, or on the field. He loves brawling with Ed Reed and the gang. Um, it, it, If you can find a talented tight end who can block, who can catch, You can play in line, in the slot, out wide, in the backfield. You can move around. It just feeds a level of unpredictability that all of the best offenses have. I mean, it's no coincidence that the teams that win Super Bowls usually have an ultra, ultra talented tight end one that can do a lot of different things. And I think in recent years, you just haven't seen a lot of those kind of players head to the NFL. They just it's tough because as colleges move to the spread and they want to kind of flex out three, four wide receivers and you see everyone from a five-foot-seven slot guy to your traditional X, um, not a lot of power running at all anywhere. It's hard to find a tight end who is even asked to block at all. I, th- I thought Mark Bruner made this point beautifully. Um, if, if we do a Mark Bruner chapter in there. He's a scout for the Steelers now. And obviously was a, a disciple of Mike Malarkey, uh, blocked one of the best blocking tight ends of our lifetime for those Steeler teams, blocking for Jerome Bettis. You know, now, now as a scout, it's hard for him to find anybody that resembled himself at all. And what they're trying to do is find tight ends who maybe you just see the, the willingness to block. Maybe you see the frame that could allow that player to put on another 10, 15 pounds and then you coach him up. And you hope that they have that fire within to do it. Um, I think you're just kind of trying to find that that willingness and the size, and then you hope you have a coaching staff that can get the best out of that player. So that's what they're doing right now with Pat Fryermuth. Um, He is one of those rare, complete tight ends. And what do you have in this draft? Well, you've got three that are very different, and I think that there are a lot of contending teams that desperately need their own version of a Kittle, of a Kelsey. S- somebody – that can be a threat uh Green Bay comes to mind even a Buffalo with Dawson Knox I mean it pays to have two of these tight ends and then it's as true as it was obviously when Bill Belichick kind of made it popular with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez uh before things went very very wrong for Aaron Hernandez I mean that the the offense that they unleashed on the NFL in 2011 was rare and different, and we never really saw two receiving tight ends used to this degree. And Kirk Ferentz, who, who coached Dallas Clark at Iowa, he, he he brings it back to when he was with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. right? So they're in Cleveland together. Bill Belichick really runs the show in the early 90s, mid-90s, and right before the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens and all hell broke loose with Art Modell. They had a game against the Green Bay Packers, 95, uh, when Bill Belichick, it was the one time that Kirk Ferentz said Belichick appeared nervous, rattled, leading up to a game defensively. Now, this is a coach who always had the answers, even then, right? I mean, he was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants when they beat the Bills in the Super Bowl, had that a uh, brilliant game plan for the K-Gun. But it was the presence of Mark Chimura and Keith Jackson, that kind of threw him for a loop. Uh, Mike Holmgren and Ron Wolf, they, they, they did this stuff with two tight ends. They, they acquired Keith Jackson, put him out there with Mark Chimura, and it created a lot of problems, especially the next year in 96 when they won a Super Bowl and Keith Jackson is, is catching all kinds of touchdowns. Um, it, it had Belichick rattled. So even if you do have a tight end, it pays to get another one because you know why these guys are cheap. Only running backs and what specialists make less money than a tight end, and it pisses these tight ends off. I'll tell you that. You, you could hear in Tony Gonzalez's voice, Um, you know, and he's just saying how unbelievably underpaid he was throughout his career. He never understood it. I mean, he's putting up the numbers that rival those of wide receivers, and he's helping you in the run game. You know, he pointed to uh, Patrick Sertain at one point and said, man, this guy's dog shit, and he's making that much money? Are you kidding me? Uh, I think that he speaks for all tight ends in that regard because for whatever reason, wide receivers who can only really do that one thing, run a route, catch a pass, they make just astronomically more than the best tight ends ever. So even if you have one, it's not like it's going to cost you a lot to a draft a really good tight end in the first round and then keep them Right, even if that tight end gets to his second contract, he's probably not going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. I think this is a, a a huge reason why the Kansas City Chiefs just keep humming along, even after paying Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes did take that ten-year contract, that was a lot of money, but team friendly. I mean, he could have grabbed the Chiefs by the you know what and forced them to really do whatever he wants. Um, what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. Drop Patrick Mahomes into that situation. I guarantee you these owners aren't colluding and so resistant to guaranteed dollars that that's what Patrick Mahomes wanted. He's that good, uh, so that helps. Same time, tight ends, man, they're they're underpaid. Uh, George Kittle, I'm looking at it right now on Spotrac. Michael Genetti. Uh, Buffalo Zone, by the way, runs this fantastic website. A really good, really good dude. I run into him from time to time at at Spot Coffee. George Kittle, fifteen a year. Travis Kelsey, fourteen a year. Goddard, Mark Andrews, fourteen a year. Dawson Knox at thirteen a year. Um, you, and then when you get down to it, after that, it's it's all pocket change, really. Seven, eight, nine. When, and if, you, if used correctly, right, you've got to use these players the right way. You're getting a steal. And it, it just is very conducive to team building, to winning long term. Now, they don't grow on trees. <laughs> it's hard to find a tight end even worth drafting in the first round that you want to utilize over the long term. Even Kyle Pitts is kind of going through his problems right now, not, not of his own doing. He was really wasn't utilized in the best ways last season, arguably. Um, he had an injury that ended his season. Uh, but I, I do think that he is as Gonzalez and Kittle. I mean, a lot of these tight ends really point to him as the future. They think this is somebody that is going to possibly kind of break that glass ceiling and get tight ends what they deserve financially. Even even he is kind of going through his ups and downs right now, but I, I think he'll figure it out. Debatable if they should have taken a tight end or a quarterback at that spot at the same time. Can do a lot worse than total matchup nightmare at that position. So who who do you like in this draft? Uh well Darnell Washington was unbelievable at the combine and I really hesitate to take too much from a situation where a player is in tights cutting and running and jumping and it's not real football but holy heck you're talking about a six foot seven 264 pound man with 34 and three38 inch arms 11 inch hands runs a four six uh the 20 yard shuttles 4.08 his verticals 31 his bench is 21 we saw the catch that he made you know in college he was a blocking tight end. He really wasn't utilized. He was overshadowed, actually, by another tight end in, Bre- in Brock Bowers. Uh, that doesn't mean that he can't do anything in the NFL. I-, I think we've learned, if anything, to not write off guys like that. When George Kittle, as he explained, and, and he detailed why, his numbers at Iowa really weren't that great. You know, a lot went into that. Um, they had him put on more weight than he really wanted. He went through his own personal struggles. Partying too much early on at college, needing to kind of go through the epiphany he did. So some mental health struggles too. Uh, George Kittle, he would stress out too much, and it was too life and death on the field, on the practice field even. And he saw a, um, a sports psychologist and and learned to really let things go. And he actually would draw a red dot on his tape on his wrist and hit it after each play to kind of mentally reset. And it's it's something he keeps going today. He taps into different alter egos via the tattoos all over him. He's got Marvel characters all over his body. Um, so I, I do think that we shouldn't put too much stock into a tight end, maybe not having the production in college that he could potentially have in the NFL. Because in the right system, Darnell Washington could be a, a steal. I mean, I would absolutely consider him in the first round. And obviously Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. These are guys that that did have the numbers um, and, and you saw it throughout their collegiate career. So, yeah, find yourself a tight end. Use your tight end and good things are are bound to happen. And it, I, I think that there's a lot that goes into the position that we don't see with the naked eye. Right. When that tight end's on the field and you're a defensive coordinator, you need to take that into account. Could they be running to that side of the field now, depending on his skill set? Could they be sending him deep? Could he just be a security blanket underneath? Could he be in pass protection? I mean, that single player comes with so many variables that force a defense from the coordinator to the 11 players on the field to think just a little bit more. And that split second, you hear this from scouts, from coaches, from the tight ends themselves – that That's all it takes sometimes for them to be gone. I mean, George Kittle, you know, he's such a good blocker. He really credits his blocking for his pass-catching ability because teams are so threatened by his ability to grab a hold of you, drive you 10 yards down the field, and drive you into the dirt that you know he can easily kind of pop his way off the line, get to that second level, and sneak past you for a 60, 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. Maybe two or three players in this draft can do exactly that. Uh, mentioned Sam Laporte of Iowa. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State is another one. I, that This position, understandably, obviously, because I wrote the blood and guts, but it fascinates me more than anything else. And we'll be examining it at go-along uh, with, with stories as well. And, of course, Bob McGinn's draft series will be coming very, very soon, middle of April. You'll love it. He's been talking to scouts around the clock. I do have the story up right now on Jody Fortson, and uh, I want everybody to to read it. Obviously, you can, you can check it out at the website. You see this a lot at the position as well. There's somebody in this draft, maybe he isn't even drafted, that we're not thinking about. We we aren't even thinking about thinking about who has the potential of being a great one day. Jody Fortson could take that step up. He's from Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo myself, about an hour south. I think everybody who listens that is familiar with the area they probably don't remember the name at all. And rightfully so. He played at South Park High School. He caught one touchdown in his high school career. He really wasn't utilized. I caught up with the Tim Delaney, the, the South Park coach for the story as well. He said, "Look, we had several different weapons. We spread the ball around. One guy caught 40 balls, everybody else caught between like 18 and 25 and and he was the left slot wide receiver, 6 foot 1. Hadn't really had his growth spurt yet. Had a Dennis Rodman-like growth spurt after high school when he sprouted up to six six, according to college websites. The Chiefs have him at six, four. Either way, just became a totally different specimen. But, you know, had this NFL dream. His uncle, Barry Yummy Woods, planted this NFL dream in his head that you will make it. And he broke down everything that they did growing up from trudging through snowstorms and Timberland boots to doing push-ups on his knuckles on the concrete anytime he dropped a pass. Um, he really wasn't spanked a lot as a kid, but, yeah, if he got in trouble, he might have to hold up three phone books over his head on his tiptoes for two hours. Uh, just a different upbringing, and eventually he turned that corner. He put it together as he went. He went from Hudson Valley Community College, then his uncle tragically dies, is murdered, comes back home to Buffalo, Erie Community College, Plays a little bit, but I mean, you're playing the Brockport SUNY JV team. It's not exactly the sec. Um, yeah, he had pedestrian numbers, nothing really that great gets down to Val- Valdosta state and Georgia wins a national championship down there, which is great, but he also missed an entire season because he's academically ineligible. Then that t- championship season, he missed six games with a hamstring injury. They kind of worked his way back. Uh, Credit to Andy Reid and the Chiefs for seeing something in Jody Fortson because they brought him in for a tryout when one or two rookie tryout guys even make, make it, make the 90, let alone the 53. They sneak him out of the practice squad for two years. They develop him. He's with Travis Kelsey day in and day out. He showed me plays from practice on his phone that were just gobsmacking. I mean, unbelievable stuff. Plucking it with one hand atop the Honey Badger's head. Um I mean, he's doing it on the scout team versus the starting defense to the point where the last two years he finally did play. He's caught four touchdowns. He's, he's got some weapons galore on that offense. So he hasn't really been used and he really wants to be used this year. He wants to be a go-to weapon in this offense and any offense that he can possibly play. in. now uh, he'll be back this season with Kansas City. Uh, they tendered him. He was uh, a non-exclusive free agent or tendered free agent. So he'll, he'll be sticking around. He's 27 years old. I, I think that if we see an evolutionary twist to that chiefs offense, it could be Jody Fortson playing a bigger role in exactly what we just discussed. Those two tight end sets, however big he is six, four, six, six, two I, I sat at the, the chiefs backer bar in Buffalo, Casey's black rock, which is owned by my old high school football teammate Vinny Garfalo. Thank you for having us Vinny. Um, However big he is, I don't care what they put on a roster sheet. This dude is, is huge. He's got long arms. Um, he's got, I, I believe probably the, the trust of the coaching staff at this point to at least be out there in some huge moments in the Super Bowl. He had the key block on Kadarius Tony's punt return, the setup Sky Moore's touchdown to really win that game. But keep an eye on Jody Forreston and and check out the story if you have a chance. It was a lot of fun getting to know him. And and really inspiring. I mean, we're always looking for these type of stories that go along where, you know, it's a player that maybe not, may not be on the radar. Oh, well, he's not on the radar Even for people here in Buffalo, his own hometown. They're just figuring out who this guy is that they didn't know back in the day. Um, And I think mean, come a come away thinking this this player could be that that next big thing at tight end. How big we'll see, but I, I think that you'll see some highlight reels out of Jody Forsen this year, and then obviously in the draft, teams will have options. All right. Thank you everybody out there for listening to the podcast and reading everything that go along. Again, we have Rob Johnson tonight on the happy hour. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Hey, can I admit it right here? This is a Rob Johnson friendly outlet. Uh, He's just unbelievably likable. Hard to find a quarterback. This down to earth, considering everything he went through, Bloody mania, Fans mostly being against him given his contract and the expectations. And oh, by the way, had several concussions that messed him up. He's doing great today. He's got a family. He's he's jacked. He works out all the time. Um, and he's always traveling with his kids for their sports. I and mean, he's he's just really reflective and it's open and honest and transparent and has nothing to hide. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this happy hour. And we we'll, we're gonna start that up at six o'clock. So hopefully you're catching this episode in time. Uh, Thank you for subscribing, and I'll have Jim Onis back on the podcast here very soon in addition to some more guests. Thank you.